Hi everybody, my name is Andy, he is Zach, and you are listening to GeekCast, uh, where we talk games that we've played, stuff we've watched, and generally what's happening in geek culture. How are things today, Zach? They are going really well. Excellent, excellent. And this week, normally we we kind of go through the podcast in order, don't we? Um but there might be a few things that will kind of come up and we'll take more time on. So we're going to jump straight to what we've been watching this week. Zach, what you, what's been on your screen? What have you been watching? Well, I have obviously been watching um, everything that we are partway through. So obviously I watched Moon Knight. And we're not going to oh, spend Moon loads Knight. of time talking about Moon Knight. Other than we're not going to still... get distracted by Moon Knight this, this week, are no, we? No, we're not. Other than that, if you have that, that, that was awesome. Or haven't watched it, it's, it's, it's maintaining pace and it's still very, very good. And um, I'm really excited to see where they're going with it. Um, especially part three is obviously better than part two. Yeah, I do feel like it is getting better every episode, mm. um, which is a good thing because I think... It, as you get to know characters and stuff, it should. And as the world unfolds and the story unfolds, it should be better. Uh, lots more lore in episode three to do with the Egyptian gods and how they fit in the Marvel universe, which is quite cool. Um, get to meet a few other avatars from uh, different Egyptian deities, which is cool. Um, I like that they're going that way with it. That but whilst that could be avatar, quite so. stale and boring, it's quite action-packed at the same time. Yeah, I mean, they definitely... With only doing six episodes, it it they cram a lot into the episodes. Like you, there's no downtime. They they're kind of definitely going very quickly through the story beats. And there's a really cool sequence in it um, towards the end with like um, yeah, the interaction between God and Avatar and and like the stars and like it's just oh, it's really cool. Awesome. You've got to. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil too much. It's worth going away and watching, but if you're on the fence about it, I would still strongly recommend just just at least giving the first three episodes a watch. Um, plenty of time to catch up as well. Episode four is obviously out, um, but I've not watched it yet, so I don't know what happens. It could be really bad. And I'm going to interrupt you before you move on, just to point out how interesting that we've just talked about a well-paced, well-edited TV show. Just yeah. put that. Let's just put it out there for yeah. what we've got coming up. Great. And then the thing that I really wanted to shine a light on, I'll probably spend a little bit more talk, time talking about now, is I have um, been a avid uh, critical role watcher for a few years now. Um, for those of you who don't know what critical role is, it is a bunch of voice actors who basically started broadcasting their homebrew Dungeons & Dragons campaign um, from the mind of the Dungeon Master, him he basically yeah they basically got asked by uh a kind of a twitch channel and slash youtube channel to would they want to broadcast their and their game and it has basically just exploded since then we are in the beginnings of their third campaign um or campaign three and also a new thing called Alexandra limited which is what i wanted to spend time talking about so yes Exandria Limited is kind of a, another kind of more condensed campaign 
in the universe of Exandria, which is the the world that they're in that Matt Mercer came up with. Um, and it's it, it's kind of one campaign two finished. They had a bit of a time gap and a bit of a break before they launched campaign three because obviously the big campaigns gone for years. And it's nice for them to give their cast a break <laughs> between before jumping into a new campaign. Uh, and between campaign two and campaign three, they did they tried out something called Alexandria Limited, which is basically a mini series where they allowed some new characters and more importantly a new dungeon master to mm. explore the world of Alexandria um, with a new cast. And as whenever something as big as this and as big as this has become. Um, try something new. There's always mixed reactions in the community, but I loved it. I absolutely okay. I just it, the the kind of it's a six. The first arc in Exandria Limited, a six part, um, smaller scale series, um, focused on uh, a new group of characters we've not seen exploring the world after the events of Campaign One and Two. So things that have happened in the world kind of feed into the bigger narrative of like where we find the characters uh, in Exandria Limited. And I really want to shine a b- the biggest light on Kaimo, which is Exandria Limited Kaimo, which is the two-parter that they've just done a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, and just... It, the, the main campaigns are obviously kind of peak critical role Dungeons & Dragons-ness. Mm. Uh, but, but there's something about... Giving your give Matt Murth, so giving his world over to uh, Abria Iyengar, who is the dungeon master for Alexandria Limited, and Matt plays uh, a character, it plays a dwarf character called Dariax in Alexandria Limited, and he's come back for. Uh, um, he did in the sixth part, he's come back for Kaimal, and there's nothing more joyous than watching Abria Iyengar take a group of characters through it, and Matt play in his own world that he's created. To see the joy on his face when she says something, and then suddenly it becomes the the because obviously Bria Iyengar can change anything in the world. It becomes canon. It becomes part of the world that Matt has created. Mm. And Matt has kind of spent years of his life creating and designing. To see him enjoy taking part in something that he doesn't get to interact with in a way that way normally is just a fantastic amazing thing to see and i and i love also that they put the spotlight on newer characters and other characters within the world and how they interact with them and they get they also give other voice actors a chance to take part in something that they've created as the core cast members have created giving other voice actors a chance to come and, and be part of critical role and the the cast is just just so they're just you, I guess Matt Mercer and the guys at Critical World would have been like, well, what, what happens when we put a whole group of new voice actors that we, mm. we kind of admire into Critical World, into Critical Role, into the world that we've created? What, what does it even work? And how will they gel? And, and will they understand? And all, and like all the questions they probably had on the reservations. And I'm like, it, it totally works. It's so refreshing to see a, a new group of players interact with the, with the world in a very different way to the main campaigns. A main campaign is set over many, many years. Yeah. So like it will, um, usually about and three that, that years. that must be hard to get into. Yeah. And also, it's just, the pacing is just very different. Um, mm. And we, we're going to talk about pacing a lot today. The pacing is very different. And because it's a shorter format, it feels more action-packed. It feels like more things are happening all the time, and it feels like it always keeps up a, a fairly quick pace to like 
things happening and what's happening. Um, and also within that, the stakes are still high because you play a character, there's obviously going to be combat and you can still die and then your character's dead and that's the end of their, their kind of story. Right? But, so there is weight to it, but it also feels like the character's a bit more gung-ho with kind of decisions that they make in the world, which makes for more interesting interactions because mm. of the shorter format. And then it would be improper for me to, to talk about this without mentioning the cast who are fantastic. Um, so we'll go in alphabetical order just because that's the easiest way to, to okay. remember. So you've got Angelina Bimani, who plays Fiora Rai, uh, Amy Carrera, who plays Opal. You've got Robbie Damon, who plays Dorian Storm. And you've got Erika Limbeck, who's new to, uh, for this, new, the, the Alexandria Limited Kymel, and she plays Morgan Ferris. Um, and, and it's just, the, the Kymel is just what I think when everything works the way I think it should, when I set, explain to someone, oh, I watched Dungeons and Dragons online and voice actors play characters and they, Kymel part one and part two just, epitomize everything I would want someone to take away from from a Dungeons and Dragons live, not live show anymore, it's pre-recorded now, but from a from a live-esque show. It's pitched like when you watch it, it, it if you it feels like it, you know it they're sat around the table playing with each other. It's it's very much pre-recorded in the fact that they record it and then they broadcast it, but it's live in that you can they're just recording it. They're not like mm. editing it and like cutting bits out and like deciding, you know, this bit looks better than that bit. It's very much their entire play session record like put out there in in most of it. I imagine it is, is edited to to some degree, but mm. but as in it, it gives But generally speaking, it like, sounds like, like they are having fun and they are just recording it. Yeah, yeah. And that, and I think for me, like having watched the majority of campaign one and two but wasn't but was a late kind of to the whole critical role thing so mm. I, campaign three is the first campaign where it's started and i have been watching from the start like i was yeah. catching up the whole i was catching up for both uh, both the previous campaigns and so it's a very different feeling going into it and i like that they're with Alexandria limited they're trying different things and different ways of telling stories within the world that matt mercer and a whole team of writers now create um because it's just yeah like i said it's just the most condensed version of it and if i wanted to if i was like oh you should try critical role i know you like dungeons and dragons have you heard of critical role and they're like oh yeah well where, what should i watch i would recommend watching exandria limited first as a, as a flavor okay. of like what it, what they do and what is possible um because the campaigns are such a huge time investment because you really do have to catch up. Mm. And I think we're already 20 episodes into campaign three, which at four hours long ish a time, <laughs> it's already, it's already a lot of hours. It's a bit of an investment really, isn't it? Yeah, it is a huge investment, but as, as like, I'm trying to understand what it is. Exandria limited in its condensed form gives the best reflection of what I think people should take away from the bigger campaigns and mm. to see Matt playing in the world he's created is still just such a delight. And, and the other characters just fit so well around the idea and, and that the, the, they're willing to give new voice actors a chance at like becoming characters in the world and like revisit. It, it's cool how like Xanion Limited is a common thing where like they revisited it. They obviously did it as a six parter and then they revisit it. They, they seem like okay. obviously 
I hope that means that it landed well and was mm. received really well because I have won nothing but praise for the for the cast mm. and for this for Abria Iyengar as well. Like, can you imagine being asked to come in and be dungeon master in a world where Matt Mercer's been a dungeon master for what? Well, that, that's, plus that's years? it, and that's one thing I was really hoping that we could comment on before we move on is that you know Matt and his team has obviously built up this massive world it's this big thing and I'm not going to pretend that I'm a critical role fan I've watched like half an episode I, I don't have time to get into it but I really appreciate why people would and it mm. does look fun to watch but the fact that Matt and his team have kind of almost given over their baby to new yeah. faces to play in that sandbox. Yeah, that just speaks well of them as individuals. Yeah, and I think that's that's what makes this particular medium just so positive for me, is that to see friends, to see them re- retain the friends playing D&D together vibe mm. that could have easily been swallowed as they got bigger and more famous and more popular Heck, they just got, you know, they've got an animated series on, again, if you want to jump into the world and explore about it, but you're not keen on Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. It's out. Season one of um, Vox Machina is out on Amazon Prime. Um, okay. The full season's out. If you Dungeons and Dragons isn't your thing, but you love fantasy animated shows, hmm. definitely check out Vox Machina on Amazon Prime. Um, uh, it's, as they, they you know, t- the idea that, that Amazon... You know, they had a fully funded Kickstarter campaign. It raised millions of dollars, more than they thought it was going to do. And Amazon then picked it up on top of that for multiple seasons. Um, the idea that they still, if you drop in and watch the D&D campaign, if you are Exandria Unlimited or any of the one-shots that they do, they do one-shots every now and again for, like, different themes and games that come out. They get paid to, like, do... They, I think they've done an Elden Ring one-shot. They've done a Tiny Tina's Wonderlands one-shot. They do special, like, episodes and stuff. To see the joy and just the positivity and the and the 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 good natured side of it to to retain that in light of how big they have become is a credit to all of them and how they approach the show and it's just if you want feel good geeky nerdy D things to watch this is critical role would just have there's years of content like just go and enjoy it if if you if you've ever even just wondered, well, what does it even, what does any of the things I've just said, all the words I've just mentioned, sound like an alien language and you don't know what I'm even talking about, just go and check it out. Like, just go and check them out on YouTube. Check out the Critical Role YouTube channel. Most of their stuff's on there. Um, YouTube's always like a week behind the Twitch, but for, mm. to see the Twitch VOD, you have to be a subscriber. So, okay. a, so the, if you can't don't invest there. money... Yeah, yeah, it's out there and you can consume it however you want. Um, but I would say if you want to take part in a community that is positive in a kind of with positive people doing really, really great things, they have a whole charity as well. It's worth mm-hmm. mentioning, Critical Role Foundation. So um, they, I think their, their big motto is leaving the world better than they found it. That, that's, that drives what they want to do. And as obviously we started this, both working for a charity that work with young people, to know that there are other organizations out there um, doing really good, positive things for the world is fantastic. And they've used their medium and their platform to do that as well. Um, so, yeah, that, uh, Critical Role is amazing. If it sounds interesting, go check it out. There's loads of things, ways to do that is my 
part and critical role this week. Done. Now, Zach, we are hosting a podcast all about geekery, stuff on TV, stuff we played. It would be wrong as the resident Doctor Who fan for me to not mention Doctor Who, the legend of the sea devils. Mm. It was okay. I mean, it was nice to see the sea devils back. And nice to see the sea devils kind of looking good, shot well, good lighting, not doused out in, you know, there's, there's a 80s, TV episode where basically the Sea Devils are shown in a fully lit studio and they do not look good. So that's the good stuff. Aside from that, very typical Doctor Who episode. If it was, I don't know, episode seven, episode four of a TV series, I think I'd be more forgiving of it. But generally speaking, it just seemed like very bog standard Doctor Who affair at the best. Not yeah, one to massively look forward to. And the editing just felt iffy at points in that all of a sudden the Doctor and companions have appeared where the Sea Devil is and they somehow managed to rig up a trap where the Sea Devil happens to be standing without any sort of establishing shots or anything. Yeah, I mean, I watched it. I wasn't going to, but my wife wanted to watch it. She's a big Doctor Who fan. She's a good one. Um, and and I, 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 I consider myself an ex-Doctor Who fan at this point. Oh. Um, because I kind of really fell out of love with it, probably mid-Peter Capaldi. Jumped back in when Jodie Whittaker... I still kind of watched it, but not really, and doesn't really bother about it in the same way. And then jumped back in when Jodie Whittaker became Doctor, was really excited about them having a female Doctor and what that would mean and how the dynamic would change. Mm, um, yeah. And they've just reused all the same Doctor Who tropes from the past, from when Christopher Eccleston really started. Yeah. And to say that it suffered from the pandemic would be being kind, because I think it was already pretty put up before the pandemic. And so to blame anything on the pandemic seems... Wishful thinking. It's, it's been well well known now at this point that it lacks funding and uh, um, it shows. And the problem is when you're going to do specials, you're doing less episodes, so you have more money for the episodes you do have. It needs a special needs to be longer than an hour, and it needs to. Yeah. It just needs. It, it wasn't even needs, now. It's like forty five minutes or yeah. something ridiculous. Yeah, as special as an hour and a half, it needs to feel like a film. It's a yeah. special. It's yeah. supposed to be special. That's the whole point. That's why you call them specials. Um, there was nothing special about what I saw. Um, but can I talk about is... what did feel special? Yes. That's trailer. Oh, my word. I mean... Again, the, you have a problem. Back. If the trailer is the best part. We, we, we've been talking about this. We talked about this another TV show a while ago where, again, the trailer was the best part of the episode. The trailer, the 30-second teaser at the end of your episode should not be the best part of the episode. It wasn't like, Revelation of the Daleks or, um, or whatever it was. <laughs> not it might have been the Doctor episode. Um, it just shouldn't be. It should be the crescendo to what... It should be the... It should oh, be the wow, team. that was amazing. And then you, you see... 
you should be left feeling amazed by what you saw and then blown away by the teaser. Like, it should be the chair on top of the cake, not the entire cake. Like, it's, you, it's, you shouldn't be getting blown away about the monsters to come. You shouldn't be blown away by the fact that the master again, is actually coming back. Where again, the flip was he in this episode? Again, teased him in the story. The, the, problem, the problem with that is they, they're doing another special, so it'll be another, what, maybe an hour at max. Oh, I they're bringing back one. They're bringing back the, door, the Daleks and the Cybermen, variations of them that have been introduced within the Jordan Whitaker's timeline because it's a Cyberman without the kind of half-human face showing through. So it's the, it's, he was awesome. He was... The problem, but the problem scary. I have with this is that it's not innovative to keep doing the same thing over and over again with the same story and the same framework over and over again and expect people and fans to be like, this is amazing. It's like, fun. but it's not, it's not fun. It's not fun. There's a difference between doing a series like Doctor Who and having the same characters on the same Doctor over multiple series and like it being interesting to see them explore space. It's fun because you're going to new and interesting places all the time. It's not fun when you're seeing the same thing happen every three episodes. It's just not. We, we just, need to... Yeah. Rack on and just mention very quickly companions. D- comedians whole... should not be actors. Well, okay, yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was kind of meaning the returning companions that we know about coming up in the next oh. special. Ace you mean anyone Peter. that watched a very specific series of Doctor Who from the past oh. may have recognised two old ladies if you knew what they looked like now? Oh yeah, I mean. Don't get me wrong. Totally understand, but it totally appealed to, you know, the, I don't know how old I was when I watched Ace blow up a spaceship and take on a gang of Cybermen and beat up a Dalek with a baseball bat. Seriously, if you want Classic Who at its best. And that, that, again, it speaks into the problem that it is too hung up on what it has been and does not focus on being something new and interesting to watch within the framework of the Doctor Who lore. And that is why, for me, it's just not worth my time as investing in it as a piece of TV anymore. When there's other more interesting things to spend your time, you're already shot. to Google, search, or YouTube, search for Remembrance of the Daleks. Please tell me you finished Jedi Fallen Order as we move into the Games and Play section of the podcast. Zach, I have completed Jedi Fallen Order and oh my days, that ending from the, and FYI spoilers for the end of Jedi Fallen Order definitely coming up. From the point where you take on the old geezer. Oh, it doesn't slow down, really. You have your backside saved by the Night Sister. You build up some sort of relationship with the Night Sister. You go and you then get your backside handed to you by the Inquisitor. You then, that final level when you get dropped in the sea, and uh, I'm not going to lie, the swimming stuff was not my strength in that game. Mm. And I'm there going, is this what they're going to do to me? 
thankfully that ends quite quickly. And then you start storming the Imperial base. And it very much felt like you were the Jedi storming an Imperial base. The music was amazing. Really lent itself to that feeling. Mm. You fight the, the Inquisitor again. You do. I've given a spoiler warning, haven't I? You have. And so feel oh, free to talk about what happens next. And oh, just... Yeah, the fact, you know, they expand on her storyline. There's a moment of redemption. And mm. just as she's getting that redemption, Darth Vader turns up, kills her and starts kicking your ass back and back and forth. And all of a sudden, Cal kind of goes from, yeah, I'm going to fight you to, oh, I'm going to run away. And as soon as he does that, it's like, I love the way you just stated over the name drop and just just put it in a sentence. And what didn't there's no pause for the fact that Darth Vader turns up in the game at all. <laughs> and if you've played the game, he doesn't just turn up. Like he has the whole dramatic entrance. He has the whole "I'm a badass." It's he has a the whole, whole kind of breathing steps in the background, and you, yeah, you it's, know what's it's, coming. The thing is. It's one of those moments where it completely makes sense after the fact, and you're like, "Oh yeah, you're breaking into an uh, an imperial base, and you're you're essentially one of in their house." Of course, Darth Vader's going to be there. Like, time frame wise and timeline wise and Star Wars wise, it makes complete sense for him to have been invested in what you have been, because you at this point are in possession of the list of four sensitive children in the galaxy, right? Well, you've, you've you've just got it back. The the reason yeah. why you're there is that yeah, is to get back. Getting it back. Yeah. So it makes sense for Vader to be there. Is my point. Mm. So mm. yeah, the the game does such a good job of you not expecting him to just turn up. Oh my days! And then to actually get a chance to fight him in game and is just so cool. Is, I mean, ultimately, you get a chance to fight him and then you get a chance to run away when you realise there's no chance. You are fighting Darth Vader. Yeah. You've just reconnected with the Force. You're just... You've, you basically almost died... Well, you, you did die a few times just beforehand. And now you're fighting Darth Vader. Good luck to you. Um, and, and time... Line wise, this is this is max power, Darth Vader. This is not. I'm just. <laughs> I, this is actually. This is actually probably time wise. Like this has got to be within the original trilogy time frame. It's probably somewhere. It's probably. I would say. I would. I think it's somewhere a new hopey in terms of time and what's going on. Be. It's it's quite far into Darth Vader as. Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, but maybe just before A New Hope, because obviously Inquisitors don't really appear in the original trilogy, which is not necessarily... Yeah. The, they became a thing after the original trilogy, so... Uh, mm. and, uh, Doesn't mean... The wherefores and wherefores of how many Inquisitors there are and when they appear for the first time and why they don't... Obviously, they can't appear in the original trilogy because they just weren't in it. So whether they're around at that time is... I you, guess... Yeah. If we're going down this rabbit hole of dating the film, not each other, if we're going yeah. down this rabbit hole of dating, we are 
there's no mention of Death Star blowing up. Nope. There's no mention of Rebel Alliance or anything like Although, that. Although... So it could be yield. Do they think that there, there is? The Rebel Alliance, some of the clothing and stuff you wear... And some of the, and the, the, you have the planet, the, the Rebel Alliance are who you fight with on that planet, right? Forrest, Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker's character. Ooh, yes. They're the, they're the Rebel Alliance, aren't they? they, they, oh, well, they or are they just rebels? They are rebels. Um, it's around that time frame, though. Cause, yeah, because yeah, you're right. It, yeah. that, so it's, it's, it's a New Hope time E. Oh, yeah, so you've got Forrest Whitaker's character. So it's got to be before A New Hope. Yeah. Because he dies in spoilers for Rogue One coming up. Because he dies in Rogue One. Yeah. So I reckon it's probably a year or two. And I think, again, with putting the game there and knowing that there's going to be multiple games in this series, it's cool that there's lots of places. I like that the yeah. games seem, and the games and the other TV shows seem to be filling in a lot of other stuff that's going on at really interesting times in the Star Wars universe Obi-Wan Kenobi the TV series is going to feel is going to go very well within your mind now because you've just finished mm. and uh, the game that is take arguably taking place at a very similar time although Obi-Wan Kenobi might be kind of maybe 10 years 20 years before it's going to show more Inquisitors it's going to show more of that story it's going to show more of that side of the Star Wars universe so you know it's it's cool basically They've, gr- I feel like they've grown it in a really cool way because they obviously, outside of the films, don't really want to jump into any of the film stuff. But they, the films have such big time periods between them, the, like the trilogies. Mm. To, they've kind of gone okay. Those it time works. gaps, it makes sense to put stuff in those time gaps, right? Because um, I know it's not involved within the movies themselves. So. I'm going to spend far too much time now as a result of this conversation trying to date where um, Jedi Fallen Order lands. Yeah. Also, I spent far too long of the day deciding and undeciding whether I think, because Samuel Jackson, okay, has thrown his hat in the ring to be like, to come back as Mace Windu. Yes. And so I did spend a considerable amount of time YouTubing how he... First of all, is he dead? Second of all, if he if he mm. didn't die, how did he survive? Because ultimately, everyone's like, "Ah, oh, Mace Windu, yeah, definitely died." I'm like, okay, we don't definitely don't know that. Mace, no one definitely two, dies in Star Wars until very, probably very, gets very quickly. Having your arm chopped off doesn't mean anything in Star Wars. Most of them have got robot arms at this point. Luke's got a robot arm. Anakin had a robot arm. Like it's completely legit. It's absolutely fine. Also, Mace Windu in the Clone Wars film falls. He jumps off. He jumps off the kind of really, really high, and he jumps off a considerable height. Like yeah, Jedi's yeah, are yeah. known to be able to fall really long distances and not take damage because of the force. And like that. Yeah, so so him being thrown out the window doesn't really mean a lot. No. And also, like, so there wasn't a fatal lightsaber, lightsaber blow. He was mm. only thrown out the window. Mm. Window. Window. Mace Window. How's he just crossed there anyway? <laughs> Window. He was only thrown out of the window, and there was lot. It's Corazon, right? So there's like there's lots of like flying ships around and like platforms. It's a very vertically architectural city in terms of it's it's tall, right? Corazon. So, as in the TV show shows that. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's it's very. 
So it means there's lots of like levels. So he could he quite easily have fallen on something else is what I'm saying. Like that could have yes. like verticality wise. When you build upwards, there's lots of things between you and the ground. Um, but I definitely spent way too long theorizing what show he might turn up in. He could absolutely show, turn up in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. He can show up anywhere. He could also show up in The Mandalorian. He would still be alive. Because oh, yeah. Jedi's live for, you know, human or otherwise, they live forever. Almost. Um, how cool would it be if Mace Windu turned up? And also, I have, a, I have a, this whole thing about robot arm thing. I would love a one-armed, I trained myself to use my left hand to use my lightsaber, Mace Windu. Where he didn't bother with a robot arm. He was too badass. He just goes one-armed. Yes. He's that cool. He's that cool, right? Yes. I would buy into that. Disney Plus. Please, 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 please. We want Mace Windu back. Because Samuel Jackson said he'll come and do it. Like, he'd love to come and do it again and and be Mace Windu. Because the thing is, he got the short end of the stick because he didn't get enough face time in the the original trilogies for for the for the how big he was as an actor and the character that he got we could all would do with more mace windu in our lives we absolutely could also he does speak to ray at the end of that's true his voice does is one of the voices that she hears Mm. and there's a big there's a fan theory that he wasn't trained enough by the time that he died to be able to achieve force project projection the only way that he could speak to ray was if he survived and trained more as a jedi so he must be out there somewhere and he must still be alive somewhere yeah um it's certainly it's to do with hearing voices and, vo- jedi and projecting yourself after you've died are two different things and it requires very specific jedi training alluded to in lots of the material because quigon jinn didn't achieve it before he was met his <laughs> untimely death and so when some of the deleted scenes he talks to Yoda hears his voice basically yeah. um, uh, in some of the deleted st- scenes from the those trilogy um, he could have only done that so if you hear a voice it's indicative of the fact that you can't project yourself and uh, obviously he's dead by then but it's to do with these things that train Jedi to project themselves after that anyway it's a whole thing basically, basically <laughs> life is the long and short of it now before we finish we've got two news items to cover Item number one, one I'm particularly cynical about, but I'm going to buy it anyway, is Sonic Origins. A collection of Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Sonic 3 and Knuckles and Sonic CD. Coming to basically all gaming platforms in June. I'm cynical because I probably have all those games that like at least twice. Maybe not Sonic CD, but I've definitely got that somewhere for PlayStation. I'm going to buy it anyway. It's going to be remastered. There's going to be extra stuff. I'm going to be able to justify it somehow. It's definitely a case of if it isn't broke, don't fix it with Sonic, and, and which yes. is why I'm a little bit nervous about Open World Sonic the Hedgehog because <laughs> it it just works. Sonic just there's nothing more fun than sitting down for 10 or 15 minutes and just running very quickly from one side <laughs> of the screen to the other side of the screen and trying not to die and collect the, coin, collect the, coin, the gold <laughs> rings. And lastly... Gaming, it's a young person's thing, right? Well, I mean, the world would definitely have you think that it is. Totally. Fandom Spot, the gaming website, have done a survey. They polled 1,000 video game players aged 65 and over and found almost half of them spent at least $500 in the past year on console games and accessories. So, lovely listener, if anyone tells you that only young people... 
play video games, you can quote that survey and back at them. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting to think that that demographic's only going to grow over time. Um, we really are, I mean, I guess probably me and you more so, like we'll still be gaming when we're that age and, and, no I, reason and we're the kind of, we are the more modern gamers, I guess, in terms of like we're, we're a big set, a big slice of gaming is people in their 30s that gamed, you know, we were the game, we were the, we were the ones brought up on proper home consoles, essentially, when they came out and became a mainstream thing that you could buy at a shop and take home with you. Um, so that demographic of 60 plus gamers is only going to grow um, as more people arrive in that demographic and have played video games their entire lives, right? And so mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts what games we see, what systems we see, how we interact with it, especially as things like cloud gaming become better even better than they are now, and yeah. the, the need to buy a console becomes less and less, right, as our smart TVs just have the app on them. Yeah, um, well, so. it already starts with a Stadia and uh, GeForce now. Yeah, and I'm, and I it, it will not be... If we don't see the Xbox app come to smart TVs oh, this year, done. it will be next year, Yeah, like without, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's fascinating to see. Um, as the entry level gets lower there's less of a expense that I think we'll see more younger gamers and I think we'll see more older gamers. We've overrun a little bit, but that's fine. But it doesn't mean that it forced me to wrap up this week's episode with the usual ending that we always do, guys. This has been GeekCast Podcast. I have been Zach and he has been Andy. And you can find us on Twitter at GeekCast UK. We are also on Facebook. If you search GeekCast, you'll find us there. And if you'd like to talk to us and email us, you can do that as well, the geekcastpodcast at gmail.com. And if you listen to us on any podcast providing platform, please, please rate, review, leave comments. It really helps us out if you do that. It, it gives us more visibility and also more feedback is always really good because it helps us improve the content we create for you guys. It has been a pleasure and we will see you all next week for another episode of Geekcast.